What's up? What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a very special edition of Thinking Logically. I'm the host, the Pawfather. I'm joined by the good doctor, Dr. Corsi, and our very special guest, Jake and Jelly Chansley, also known as the QAnon Shaman, the Yellowstone Wolf. Jake, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to have you. Uh, you are uh, pop culture famous at this point. You've been portrayed in uh, South Park uh, and, and a couple other TV shows, so we're pumped to have you yeah, on. Family Guy, Reno 911, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, they, they've gone all out, haven't they? Yeah, yeah we've, we've come a long way since January 6th, so. Um, as our listeners know, we are a very, very uh, pro-MAGA, pro-Patriot USA podcast, America First. So we're really grateful to have you on with us today. So uh, I know Joe's been uh, very, very excited to talk to you, and, and, and I have as well. So Joe, take it away. Okay, first question. Um, so myself, I, I've been called on Joe for saying stuff like, uh, I don't know, masks don't work. And you don't need to get a COVID booster. Booster won't do anything for you. So our first question has to be, who gave you the name QAnon Shaman and, and why? And do you view it as a derogatory term, a derogatory name? Well, the Mockingbird Media gave me the name QAnon Shaman. Alex Jones started it by calling me the Q Shaman. And then the media called me the QAnon Shaman. Then they said that I called myself that name. And that's not true at all. Um, now do I view it as a derogatory term? It is a straw man. And in that sense, it is not representative of me, what I think of myself or what I stand for. QAnon is a fiction that was created by the Mockingbird media to discredit Q and the Anons that follow Q. And they created and crafted this QAnon narrative as a means of controlling the narrative surrounding Q and the Anons and discrediting the Anons and Q. So in that sense, it's a loaded word. It is a trigger word that is used uh, to label people that they don't want individuals to listen to because then they, in their mind, already have this notion of Q or QAnon as a conspiracy theory or an extremist group or white supremacy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they put all these labels below QAnon that they created and that they use as like a weapon, a psychological weapon to discredit anybody that they put that QAnon label on. So um, in that sense, I'm not the biggest fan of the label, but I think that as time goes on, they're going to regret it. You know, speaking of Q, I mean, we've seen these deltas, we've seen you know, different posts, they haven't really dropped much in the last several months. I mean, do you think, you know, this is a, a, a there's some truth behind to who's ever posting uh, these deltas going back years? I mean, it's some, some of these things seem to line up. Well, Q is a PSYOP. It's a psychological operation. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's fictional. Um, everything pretty much is a PSYOP, including advertising as a psychological operation. They're using colors, they're using jingles, they're using words to, for example, like with fast food chains like McDonald's, stimulate hunger. You see, so psychological operations are largely about affecting the mass psychology of a group or of a nation. So the Q 
PSYOP is intended to counter the Mockingbird Media PSYOP. The Mockingbird Media PSYOP is inherently divisive and based on disinformation and misinformation. So the Q PSYOP, in my opinion, is more so about the dissemination of high-level and highly classified information and about unifying people around the truth as opposed to dividing them with lies. But that's also why it was co-opted, because it was as a means of discrediting the truth that Q was bringing forward and the Anons had discovered. For example, we have a debt-based fiat currency. That's no secret, but it became well-known in the Q community. Child and human trafficking, the modern-day slave trade, is one of the most pervasive and lucrative black market operations around the planet. That also came to the forefront in the Q community, in the Anons. Um, and that's 100% true. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein, blackmail, uh, the, the control of governments and stuff like that. These are things that Anons knew about that in some cases Q even talked about. So the intelligence agency apparatuses that are behind the Mockingbird media, largely CIA, etc., they needed to infiltrate the Q community to basically be, act like a fifth column, disseminate disinformation. JFK is alive and well and going to be Donald. Oh, JFK Jr. is alive and well going to be Donald Trump's vice president. Um, yeah, there's reptilian overlords in underground uh, in, caves controlling humanity. The earth is flat. These types of things. Um, those were infiltr- or infiltrators and, and people going into the Q and on uh, into the Q and the Anon community trying to, you know, just create division and give the Mockingbird media something to spotlight to make the other things that Q and the Anons had discovered seem in- incredible. Well, when you say Mockingbird Media, too, you're referring to actually, I believe it's called Operation. Is it Mockingbird? That was the CIA infiltration of our media. Can you go a little bit into like when when did that start and how it's worked for so long and why it's why is it being exposed now? It's almost too easy to spot these days. Well, it started in the 60s and the 70s, and it was to control the narrative regarding the civil rights movement and the anti-war movement, because both of those movements were counter to the New World Order, deep state globalist agenda. Um, Now, it's still in full swing. Operation Mockingbird never went away. And I think that if you want to look and see why it is the way that it is, why it's so divisive, how it's based on propaganda and the propagation of disinformation and misinformation, all you need to do is look to Operation Paperclip and the fact that the United States absorbed over 1,500 Nazi scientists, doctors, and intelligence agents in like 1945. And then lo and behold, 15, 20 years later, Operation Mockingbird, the CIA, infiltrated by Nazis, infiltrated the media. And then what do you get? You get a divisive propaganda campaign that divides people into warring tribes of different propagandized and compartmentalized groups, all of which were fighting each other as opposed to uniting the way they were in the anti-war movement, the way they were in the civil rights movement. You see, unity is antithetical to the divisive uh, strategy that is necessary in order to take over the planet. I've been saying it for even on this podcast for since for years about we look at like the North Korea television and we like laugh. 
but it's no different here on our TV. It actually it's more complex and it's worse and it's harder to, it's harder to spot. So that's why well, I watch. But not, but, but not when you understand the formula, and that's why I do everything I can to put it out there. It's neurolinguistic programming, the use of trigger words and trigger images to stimulate a instinctual and emotional response in the subconscious mind. And whether that be fear of death, the, uh, the, uh, the instinctual need uh, like for like hunger, like the need for food or the need to procreate sex. That's why sex sells. So all of these things stimulate the subconscious portions of the brain, in particular, the most primal portions of our brains. And then from there, because these are in the subconscious mind, you are then able to control a person's conscious perception of reality. The subconscious mind is 95 to 93% of our brain power and, and our brain processing. So if you're able to program that and create a neurological pattern that is based on lies, then you can control the way people consciously pre perceive reality. So for example, terrorism, white supremacy, violence, dead, uh, deadly, um, uh, terrifying. These words are trigger words. And then when you combine them with trigger images of, say, bombs going off or people uh, that are maimed due to gunfire explosions or, you know, the Twin Towers falling to the ground, the Boston bombing, et cetera. Well, or what's happening in, in Israel right now with Hamas and, and Palestine and Israel and all that stuff. Then what you get is you get a narrative that stimulates these emotional responses in people's minds. And then they're always reacting to whoever it is that's disseminating the information, or should I say the misinformation? You see, the Mockingbird media uses information that is true and disinformation that is false, and it combines them together to create a misinformation narrative that they control, and thereby they control the paradigm within which people live. So it is an it is an effective strategy. It's a psychological warfare strategy. That's this has been being done in countries all over the world, and it's been being done in the United States for quite a long time. Now, if you look into the Smith Munt Modernization Act of 2012, and uh, this basically was passed by Obama that gave the uh, State Department the illegalized go ahead. Propaganda, right? Yeah. To, what's that? Illegalized propaganda for the American people, basically. Oh yeah, well yeah, not just propaganda, but like like very real psychological warfare techniques, like basically giving the government the clearance to lie. Now they've been lying for some time with Operation Mockingbird, but it technically wasn't legal in the sense that it is now. But if we look at, for example, from 2012 until now, what has been in the media that has been proven wrong over and over and over again? Well, just to, off the top of my head, I can think the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax with Trump. Um, I could think of uh, the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop. I can think of the COVID jabs, the vaccine injured, you know, uh, the, the origins of COVID, all of these things, right? Uh, it's in obviously January 6th and the January 6th narrative itself. All of these things are propaganda campaigns based on misinformation and disinformation. Yeah, when you say Mockingbird um, Media, and that's you, actually you think about... What's that? No, okay. I was just gonna say. I was gonna say when you think about the word mockingbird media, you when and then when you hear like clips from like different members of the media on different channels, they're all saying the same thing. It's like these buzzwords that they'll come out with, like uh, it was, "No one was ben is beneath the law," 
you know, for for Trump getting arrested or whatever. And then you then you put together these clips. Storm the Capitol. Yeah. And it's like, who's coordinating this? How are they all picking up on the same buzzwords? And they're all saying the same thing across different networks. And it's like, there has to be some high level coordination here of what they're trying to accomplish. So that makes perfect sense with what you're saying in regards to like well, yeah, the Mockingbird word. And the Mockingbird media is also <clears throat> very self-referential. So they will say, oh, according to the New York Times, according to MSNBC, according to the Washington Post, right? And, and, and all when you really do some digging, a lot of these sources are anonymous sources. So like, okay, well, how is that credible? in any way, shape, or form, because you're not actually saying where it's coming from. So all you have to do is say a source said, and then you can write whatever you want in there, you know? Um, and yeah, it is, they are mockingbirds. And in it's all, if you also factor in the way the politicians play into this, like what Nancy Pelosi was talking about, the rap and smear, where the politician says something about somebody or something, the media reports on it, and then later the politicians point to the media and they say, see, it must be true, it's in the media. Rap and smear. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, so this is actually a perfect transition because this leads us right into January 6th. Um, the media's narrative versus, I guess, our narrative or the truth narrative or the what really happened narrative, since we're still not allowed to see really any of the videos. Mark, you had some questions about for Jake about what happened before January 6th, like how he got there, why he got there. <clears throat> yeah. Let's I was curious to know, like, what was like the 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 build up to that, like, for you, like, what was the, what were like the days and weeks leading up to that event, like? I mean, was there any like coordination going on between you and other people, or was it just like I'm going to go to D.C. and see what happens, or take us through like what happened, like, you know, the days and weeks leading up to to J. Six. Well, I went to the second Mega Million March on December twelfth. And everything was fine. Everything was peaceful. There were people around the Congress building, people around the Supreme Court, and there was no chaos, no violence. There were certainly a lot of counter protesters like BLM and Antifa, which on January 6th, there were none. So that's rather implicative, if you ask me. Um, but I had no idea what was going to happen. There was no real coordination per se. Um, there were a couple of people here in Arizona that were talking about going. Um, I didn't really have the money or the transportation to go. So it was actually kind of by the grace of God that I had the opportunity to ride along with the group and uh, they paid for the hotels and everything. And they said, don't even worry about it. You know, uh, we were going to come anyway, basically. So don't even trip, just, you know, do your thing, man. And I was like, you know, okay, I'll wear my horns. I'll wear my face paint. Like I did on, you know, December 12th. And like I have down at the Arizona Capitol for Seriously, years. I was going down to the Arizona Capitol for since like 2017, late 2017, early 2018, going down to the Arizona State Capitol and and singing my shamanic song, banging my drum, giving speeches in the uh, the Congress uh, area, like the Senate, the the uh, House, and then the Governor's Tower. They're all they all kind of like create like an echo chamber. So I went down there on my own for years without anybody there and just doing my thing. So I've been a spiritual activist for over a decade. And I consider my activity more so spiritual activism than political. It's 
taken a political light in some people's minds because what they don't quite realize is that certain nefarious forces have used politics and law to push their spiritual or materialist agenda. Interesting. So, and all that, I didn't hear anything about you having any interest at all going into the Capitol or anything like that, but let's, let's get back to, to the actual, the day here, January 6th. Let's go with um, our narrative, what we saw, I, I, I guess on TV versus what you saw, Jake. So let me see here. I have a, I'm going to read you a text first of all from uh, our group chat. It was on January 6th, that actual day. And this is from about 2.15 in the afternoon. So it was probably right as people were breaking in. Um, the uh, People have breached the building and now it has to pause. And then Mark, you replied, there are people everywhere inside the Capitol. I said, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. The whole reason for going was that so they can argue in both houses. This doesn't make sense. And then Mark, you replied, this is total mayhem. I think this is orchestrated, at least the part that caused the Capitol buildings to shut down and stop. So, Jake, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you here. Like I said, the whole reason Trump supporters even showed up was to hear someone present evidence from one of the swing stakes, I guess, about voting irregular, irregularities. Um, and when people stormed the Capitol, I believe that ruined any chance for us to hear that. So, we watched the news coverage that day. They told us Trump supporters, quote, charged into the Capitol, stormed the Capitol, whatever word you want to use, while Congress was trying to certify the 2020 election. We were told police were bludgeoned to death with fire extinguishers, ended up being false. Um, and then an insurrection had taken place. And one of the most memorable still shots from that day is a photo of you, Jake, planting the American flag in the Senate chamber. In in the still shot, it looks like you're, you're screaming. And then... We find out, at least most of us find out over a year later from a video on Tucker Carlson that you actually had what looked like a police escort to the Senate chamber. Um, Christopher Ray, Merrick Garland, they still won't tell us how many federal agents were in the crowd or in the building. Ray Epps, who's the only person that's on video two days in a row telling people they need to go into the Capitol, he was actually taken off an FBI list. Um, so what's the story here, Jake? What really happened on January 6th from your perspective? Your perspective, What did you see? Was this an insurrection, a false flag, or just some type of staged event in general? Well, no, it was not an insurrection. Let us remember that no one that has been arrested has been charged with insurrection. Insurrection was a and is being used as a trigger word. Um, they, Mockingbird Media couldn't say revolution because there is a, a, a connotation to that that is in some cases with people positive. Um, it would also foment um, a lot of, uh, shall we say, uh, speculation on both sides as to what is actually going on. So they had to use a word that most people didn't even know, insurrection. And then they had to put words like violent and deadly in front of it, you see? And then they used my image to create, a, in combination with the image of violence taking place outside the building, to create a shock and awe campaign for which they could then create their PSYOP that is the narrative of January 6th, in combination with things like the J6 committee and stuff like that. So from my perspective, well, first of all, when I got down to the Capitol, there were, it was literally like, 
I would say 99% peaceful. There were a couple of people at the barriers that were provocative against police. One person I saw like tried to throw a water bottle. I just saw a water bottle fly at the police and I turned around and said, Hey, knock that shit off. You know, police are our friends. We're, we're, we back the blue. We're, we're pro law enforcement. We're pro law and order, you know? Um, what I think really did it was when the Capitol Police started throwing concussion grenades and tear gas into the largely peaceful crowd. Um, and they kept doing that. And so were you were you around that? Yeah, yeah, I was there for that. And there was, that it was basically after that, puts like a bayonet in everyone's back to move forward into the actual building. But go ahead. I don't want to. Well, it, it. It was, in my opinion, what caused all hell to break loose. Because the people were like, well, you know, WTF, mate, you know, well, why are you doing this? Um, somebody was shot with a uh, rubber bullet in the face. Um, that didn't help either. But if we look into like the testimony of uh, Capitol Police Officer Tarek Johnson and what he was saying about Yogananda Pittman having intelligence regarding the possible violence that could take place on January 6th and the fact that she didn't get any of that information to Chief Sun. Um, if we look into the fact that the Pentagon knew there was going to be well over a dozen terrorists in the crowd on that day, if we look into the fact that the FBI didn't say anything to Chief Sun either, neither did Mark Milley or the Pentagon. And then when <clears throat> when we look into the fact that Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell literally revoked Chief Sun's emergency powers a couple of weeks before January 6th, taking away his ability to call the National Guard in on his own and that he had to go through them. That's very telling. Uh, then when he did finally get a, like have a memo that says, I want the National Guard here, and they told him no, because it would be bad optics and because there wasn't a need, you know, there was no evidence for it or a need for it. So that right there is, is in my opinion, indicative that like Tarek Johnson said, it was a setup for both Capitol Police and Trump supporters. And it was a setup based on the suppression of intelligence. So if we then look and we see, for example, the way the Mockingbird media and the government were in lockstep with one another regarding the narrative. If we then also look at the way that they went after Trump and his supporters, uh, his supporters are being called domestic terrorists now which basically means that their constitutional rights go out the window. You see, uh, that's according to the Patriot Act. Thank you, W. Bush. Hmm. Um, and then we also look at the fact that Trump got a second impeachment and now he has this, this thing going on in Georgia regarding January 6th. And then we look at what Enrique Tarrio said about how the feds approached him and said basically just lie and say that you had a middleman between yourself and Trump and you guys coordinated January 6th and you'll get out of jail in very, very short amount of time. But if you don't, we're going to basically destroy your life. And lo and behold, he didn't take the plea deal. They gave him 22 years. Now they want to give him 44. They're appealing the sentence and they want to give him more time. And uh, all because he didn't lie. Now, why? Why would they want Enrique Tario to coordinate with them in, in, on a lie? And regarding the January 6th footage, I think a lot of the reason why they haven't released it is because there's all sorts of evidence on the January 6th footage that some of the people that took the stand in some of these trials were lying. 
about where they were, who they were interacting with, when they were there, et cetera. And the video footage would be evidence of that. Um, it's, it's a clouded issue for most. So it was a setup on behalf of the deep state by suppressing intelligence and taking away the powers of the Capitol Police chief son to prevent it from happening. Also, Trump offered 10 to 20,000 National Guard that was refused as well. Um, then from that setup, then there was a PSYOP that ensued. And that PSYOP was designed to divide the country. It was designed to demonize a whole group of pro-American Trump supporters. It was de designed to create very little sympathy for people that are Trump supporters by calling them domestic terrorists or insurrectionists, you see? Um, and was also designed to go after Trump. So it's anytime the deep state does anything, anything, it is going to affect multiple different areas, okay? Military, diplomatic, scientific, economic, political, okay? All of these different areas, all these different uh, um, portions of the government are going to be affected by every step that they make. It's how they tighten the grip on power. That's yeah, that's that, that's that that is a lot. When you, so I mean, just looking back on everything you said makes perfect sense. I mean, so who do you think ultimately, we'll say, coordinated this effort to create this insurrectionist narrative? I mean, was it? I mean, you said the deep state. Do you think it was intelligence agencies, somebody from you know the Democratic Party, somebody working in conjunction with Nancy Pelosi? The speaker. Well, I guess that's a good point to make because in order we, we have to picture match here. If I tell you we're building a house, I need you to bring a hammer and you bring a sledgehammer when what I need is a carpenter hammer. Then we're talking two different languages. It doesn't really matter what, you know, we're talking. If, even if we're speaking the same language, we're not picture matching. We're not definition matching. So the deep state is a conglomeration of the, bureau the bureaucracy, corrupted individuals within the federal three-branch government system, corporations, and banks, okay? Um, and this is kind of how it works. The intelligence agencies are an apparatus within the federal government. In many cases, they're contracted, like the CIA is an independent agency. It's not actually a part of the government. It's a contracted portion of the government, right? Um, and that notion of NGOs, non-government organizations, is pervasive in Washington, D.C. And they're a lot of the time the ones that are writing the bills, writing the laws, writing the regulations, etc. So our founding fathers divided our government into three branch government with checks and balances for a reason, because they viewed tyranny as the consolidation of the three branches of government into a centralized power. That's what they were dealing with with the crown because the king wrote the laws, he enforced the laws, and he controlled the courts. So they, the founding fathers divided the system into a three-branch government system, legislative, law-creating, executive, law-enforcing, judicial, law-adjudicating, and had checks and balances so that power couldn't be centralized. Now, the legislative branch created an environment in the early 1900s for the basically the manufacture of a fourth branch of government that we call the bureaucracy. 
and they empowered these bureaucratic agencies with the ability to regulate commerce. Okay. So what we can buy, what we can sell, what is legal, what is illegal. Essentially, they empowered these bureaucratic agencies with the ability to write a form of law. Now, each of these bureaucratic agencies, which there are over 500 of them in the federal government, and each of them, believe it or not, is a pyramid that is governed by somebody like Dr. Fauci, okay, a corrupt bureaucrat that's been in power for decades. They have the ability to write regulations. They also have their own regulatory enforcement agents, so law enforcement, basically, that enforce their regulations. And these bureaucracies also have their own administrative courts that are outside the federal court system where you're basically guilty till you're proven innocent. Okay, so that is the centralization of power. That is tyranny. And these bureaucratic agencies are writing regulations on behalf of the corporations because the corporations and the government are working together. The corporations are using the government's monopoly on the initiation of force to reinforce the corporate monopoly on our resources, on our labor, on our currency, you see? And then so through massive government contracts, these NGOs or these corporations end up amassing mass amounts of power and wealth. And then with that power and wealth, they influence through lobbying or through controlling the people at the top of these bureaucratic pyramids. They control and, and, and create the regulations for themselves, thusly suppressing competition, destroying small businesses, monopolizing resources, monopolizing labor, centralizing power, right? So whether it be intelligence agencies, big pharma, whether it be military contractors like Lockheed Martin or Raytheon or what have you, um, you name it. All throughout the government, you have these NGOs and you have the government bureaucracies in in lock with one another they they are they are in a gridlock with each other where they they are uh one is enforcing the will of the other one is enabling the will of the other and the people suffer it's a way of moving our public money our money our tax dollars into their private hands and in order to do that they have to create crisis after crisis after crisis problem reaction solution so they create the problem we have the reaction and then they offer the solution that to the problem they created so they can move more and more money into their hands. I mean, with COVID, we saw the largest transfer of wealth in human history, okay? Now, how does that play into things like January 6th? Well, Donald Trump was really hacking away at the bureaucracy. Now, there's some areas where, in my opinion, he could have done far more. But I don't think he fully understood what he was up against. Um, that being said, they needed to get rid of him because he was not an insider in D.C. He was not going to play the game that so many were playing. And because the presidency can be swapped out very easily, the deep state doesn't really so much focus on the presidency. While the president has the power to do a lot, it's only a fourth of the problem. That's why they don't have term limits for congressmen. Because if they can corrupt a single congressman and make sure they get in office year after year after year, then they don't really have to worry about the Congress. They don't have to keep recycling people, just like, like kind of like what they have to do with the president. So 
when I'm talking about the deep state, yes, I'm talking about intelligence agencies. Yes, I'm talking about the military industrial complex. Yes, I'm talking about the CIA and Operation Mockingbird. Yes, I'm talking about the corrupt politicians in D.C. that do the rap and smear. You see, it is, as JFK called it, a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, scientific and economic, uh, political and economic operations. Well, I'm glad you explained that way better than I ever could, because I usually just say they on the podcast. And it's a very general term. And it's supposed to be that complex and that hard to figure out. So you never worry about it. You never think uh, who would ever think to go into it that deep? No one. Most people were just worried about their 40, 60 hour work weeks and, and coming home and getting some free time on the weekends. But I'm slavery. I'm, yeah, exactly. You put it very well, though. Very, very well spoken on that, because it is a complex to understand who these people actually are and how it works. And you brought the example of COVID. That was that was the example that should have woke everyone up. When you think back to COVID and everything you just said now, it it should something should click for, for everyone listening. Well, and there. and think about it. It also combines psychological warfare because trigger words, trigger images, numbers across the screen, deaths due to COVID, COVID cases. You know, they're talking about it all the time. Deadly virus, deadly virus, deadly virus. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And now this is another apparatus that most people don't think about. How many Hollywood movies have there been about a deadly virus breaking out in the public and it just all hell breaking loose, turning people into zombies or, you know, depopulating the planet? Okay, these things are used to plant seeds in people's minds over time in the subconscious portion of the brain. And then when they start seeing the saturation of their environment with the notion of a deadly virus, all of those things that were planted in their mind over years get triggered and then they go oh my gosh it's gonna be like that oh no oh no i better get that covid jab (laughs) you know what i'm saying (laughs) so so it's you gotta understand that psychological warfare isn't just so much about the control of the news it's also about control of entertainment before we move on from january 6th we want to get into some other topics but I, i have just one question left that i have to ask and that's about the f- number of feds that were in the crowd. We, we've we've been told that there were federal agents in the crowd. We don't know how many were in the crowd. They haven't told us that. Mary Garland won't admit that. In your estimation, you know, how many were there and what was the role of having undercover feds in the crowd that day? Was it to provoke? Was it to spy? Was it to maybe do something else? I mean, what, what's your take on, Probably all, on the all above. That? Probably all the above. Um, I mean, we saw what whole, the whole thing that happened with the Gretchen Whitmer thing in Michigan. Yes, we've covered and, that on this podcast. Um, yeah. yeah, and you know what's crazy, dude, is that that's not the first time the feds have done that. In many cases, they like I heard people like uh, Timothy McVeigh yes. were also yeah. in a similar boat where the feds gave him everything, told him how to put it all together. They did everything except press the button, you know, Um now, how true that is, I don't know. But I will say that I don't trust people and I don't trust institutions. I trust patterns. And there has been a very clear p- pattern that has been created by this government for quite some time. And in many ways, it's not a government anymore because it's not governing anything other than the, the redistribution of wealth to the wealthiest less than 1% of, of, our, of our country, you know, of our, of our planet. So um, Chief Sun said that 
the place was crawling with feds. Um, federal agents in the crowd, per se, let's just say for the sake of argument, let's look at it from two sides. It could, it could also be a good thing in that if they were tracking known terrorists and they were doing so covertly to make sure that they didn't do anything crazy or took them down if they decided to do something, then that would be a positive thing. And this is how the government can be a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. However, if they were provoking people to break the law, if they were inciting violence, if they were inciting the chaos, if they were fueling the and fanning the flames, then well, well, why? What would be the reason for that? Just so you can bust people for breaking the law? Just so you can have your PSYOP be successful? And why haven't they found the pipe bomber yet? Why has that just completely gone away? Um, you know, the pipe bomber thing is kind of like building seven with nine eleven. <laughs> you know, it's like, where the hell did that go? Why aren't why aren't we talking about that? Um and you know, regarding me personally and my personal story, the Mockingbird media used me as a straw man. And they used me to create their shock and awe campaign inside the building because the shock and awe, as far as the violence and the chaos, really only took place outside the building. So they needed something inside the building to create that shock and that awe. So they show people all the chaos outside and then they show me on the inside. And lo and behold, they throw in a couple of trigger words along with those trigger images. And now they have their narrative. You see now what's funny about all that is that if you watch me from the beginning to the end of all of that, in the beginning, I was telling people not to provoke the police, to leave them alone. Then once the barricades were breached and people went inside, I saw people flooding inside and I thought to myself, you know, if they're doing this kind of stuff outside, we can't have them doing that inside. The only way to prevent it is to go in and stop it from happening myself, which there's a bunch of CCTV footage of me wandering around on my own, making sure everything was, you know, okay. Anyway, I also immediately upon entry of the building, I stopped somebody from stealing. Okay. And then when I saw how, that there were people in the Senate chamber after I sang my shamanic song on the upper terrace of the Senate chamber, I came to the police and told them, hey, there's people in there. If you want, I can go down there and help you clear the chamber, stop people from stealing, make sure there's no vandalism, no violence. They're like, yeah, come on, let's go. That's why we're going from locked door to locked door to figure out a way to get in the Senate. And then, and these are the cops you're talking to. Yeah. These are the Capitol Police you're talking to. I saw there was seven or eight of them escorting you around. <laughs> go no, there was, no, there was two. And the two of them and myself walked through a crowd of seven or eight of them and none of them arrested. So then upon my getting out of the building, I was the first one to calm everybody down and tell everybody to go home. I was the one reading off Trump's tweet and, you know, using my megaphone to blast his video out to everybody. I was stopping people from breaking in the building, telling people to go home. So that is antithetical to the Mockingbird media's narrative. You see, because then it shows that it's a gray issue. It's not black and white. It's not your it, January 6th was a day of chaos and violence. And let us not forget that they also spewed the BS narrative that people, uh, cops died on that day, which none of that is true. And they downplayed the fact that four protesters, from what I understand, died. Ashley Babbitt, Ros uh, Rosalind Boylan, I believe is what her name is. Uh, those are two of the names that come, uh, come to mind as Rosalind Boylan and Ashley Babbitt. But there was apparently two others. Anyway, then they tried to downplay and say that it was because of a drug overdose with Rosalind Boylan when actually it was blunt force trauma of either being stamped uh, and like and, and, uh, trampled or 
in some cases, some people believe it was because it was a cop that was continuously beating this woman the billy club while she was laying on the ground unconscious. Um, there's regardless, video, there's there was video no reason that, to shoot Ashley Babbitt. She was an unarmed civilian. Now, what's interesting about it, though, is that if Tarek Johnson, the Capitol Police officer, if Tarek Johnson hadn't cleared the Senate chamber, then we might have seen more violence and more death in the Senate just like what we saw with the House of Representatives, because there still would have been senators inside the Senate, you see? And I think that's part of the reason why they went after him so much, because he went against, he didn't have the order to clear the building. Yogananda Pittman was silent, radio silent for like over 60 minutes as he's like asking for reinforcements, asking to clear the building on the radio. She was silent, okay? And her, Yogananda Pittman, and the new Capitol Police Chief, John Manger, both signed non-disclosure agreements saying that they were not going to release or talk about the information they had about and have about January 6th. So this all screams a covert op. It all screams a psyop. It all screams a setup. And nobody in the Mockingbird media is talking about it. And I wonder why. You're also... I got to get your thoughts on Ashley Babbitt. So she's shot. What people don't realize, the guy that's, I think, videotaping, John Earl Sullivan, He, I, I know I've seen him on video at other black Jaden X. What's that? Jaden X. I know yes. that's who you're talking about. Yes. So so I've seen him on video before. I can't remember if it was in D.C. or somewhere else or in Utah at a Black Lives Matter rally, which why would he be there? Regardless, he takes the video. He gets paid for the video, doesn't get charged, she shot. Meanwhile, it looks like there's about four police officers behind her with AR-15s and in riot gear. And the guy that shoots her, uh, Michael Bird, I think is his name, doesn't have the best track record with his firearm because he leaves it in bathrooms. And there's like no investigation into him. If this would have happened in May of 2020 and races were different or some things were different, I feel like it would have been a much bigger story in that poor girl got shot in She's viewed as a terrorist. I mean, she's shot. She's dead. She's no longer here. She has. She gets no chance to tell her story now. Well, and, and try to imagine if the roles were reversed and it was Antifa and BLM breaking into the Capitol because they were trying to stop Trump from being duly elected or whatever the you know narrative that the Mockingbird media is going with. And it was a white cop shooting an unarmed black girl. You know, uh, the Mockingbird media would, first of all, call all these people you know, heroes that are yeah. trying to stand up for democracy, which we don't live in a democracy. We live in a constitutional republic. And if that were to be the case, then they would demand that charges be pressed against the Capitol Police officer or the Secret Service agent or whoever that shot Ashley Babbitt or shot the black woman, whatever you want to call they it. They called Trump uh, Bunker Boy when they tried to rush the White House in May of 2020. They called him Bunker Boy. He had to go know, Yeah. I know. And, you know, in all honesty, a part of me thinks that that was the wrong move to make. I, I know that it probably would have been a bad uh, thing for the White House. But I honestly think that if they wanted to make BLM and Antifa look really bad, they should have let them storm the White House. And that right there would have been enough for everybody to see who and what they were. Um there's no going back from that. And I think that's why they created this, the Jan 6 narrative. That's why they wanted the chaos. That's why they didn't want the National Guard there. Now, let's talk about something else. Uh, Sergei Dubinin, 
a Ukrainian spy, according to the FBI, uh, was there with one plus one media attached to uh, Igor Kolomoisky, a Ukrainian oligarch who was uh, involved with Burisma, involved with uh, Vladimir Zelensky getting his start on television and one of the largest contributors to Vladimir Zelensky's campaign. He was also the, one of the heads of uh, the first uh, national private bank in Ukraine in 2016, private bank. Uh, he's the one that owns one plus one media. He's the one that I'm thinking was likely the individual that made sure that Sergei Dubinin was there on January 6th and filmed the initial breach of the Capitol. He was the one that was screaming run, run, run in Russia, uh, in Russian when he was when the Capitol was being stormed. Uh, he was also the gentleman that asked me for a selfie outside of the Capitol. And I don't think he was expecting that selfie to go viral, but it did. And everybody figured out who he was. And uh, no investigation, no no arrests, no charges. Jaden X was there, and yeah, he got charged. But the thing is, he was also given clearance from the government to go to Ukraine, to leave the country midst an investigation where he was at the murder of Ashley Babbitt. Why is he allowed to go to Ukraine? I had no idea Why he went to Ukraine. He- Yes, apparently he was he's in Ukraine like doing like uh like filming and stuff for the war effort. At least that's uh, what I've heard. There's people that say oh he's not there. There's some people that say no he's there. You know, I had a phone call with him. He's over there. He has, you know, uh it's on his, you know, he's posting stuff on the internet, etc. But what matters most to me is let's look at this. Ray Epps the only person other than Nick Fuentes by the way. Nick Fuentes was there and encouraging his gripers to go past the barriers ignore the police and take the capital nick fuentes nick fuentes he he recently got caught with kanye and trump at the his mar-a-lago is he like a white supremacist nick fuentes or he's something who is nick i think he's a provocateur and a plant designed to make the america first movement look like white supremacists and anti-semites um he's he's a a man child in my opinion um no balls he only he has a bunch of people online that support him and if you badmouth him online then his gripers go after you they they you know get your account reported and stuff like that i honestly don't give a fuck um <laughs> i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not going to back down the man said that he thought adolf hitler was cool and awesome he said he supports adolf hitler he also said that he thinks women should be burned at the stake if they break the law or practice practice witchcraft he also said that he wants a 16-year-old bride when he's 30. He also uh, was talking about uh, some some things that are so vile, so like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, he said he wanted our, our law enforcement and our government to be more like China regarding the enforcement of law. Um, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, he's also rather anti-Semitic or anti-Zionist, which, you know, there is a difference between anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism, but it's a very nuanced, and he doesn't do a very good job of making that nuance clear. Anyway, uh, he and Ray Epps are the only ones on camera that are talking about going into the Capitol. And only after public outrage was Ray Epps charged with a single misdemeanor. Okay? Like, and, and 
why and here's a good example brandon straka when he went on to capitol grounds he didn't even go in the building he just he went around with his camera filming for his media channel he was supposed to speak at the capitol on that day when all that stuff happened so he's walking around with his camera getting all this footage and then he walks away well the government arrested him right away now, do you guys know who Brandon Straka is? The guy yeah, that did the walk. I remember him from um the Kyle Rittenhouse videos. Did he testify in that trial too? Maybe I can't even remember. I don't know. I just know that he was the founder of the walk away movement. He was a Democrat for the longest time. He yeah, and he, he's like a video journalist on X or Twitter or whatever it is now. I follow him a lot yeah. during 2020. He had all like the he was at all the riots, all the whatever you want to call them, the summer of love, whatever you want to call it. So oh, I didn't know that about him, but case in point is that he was arrested and charged right away. And the government said that if he didn't plead guilty to the misdemeanors, then they were going to throw a 1512 felony at him, the obstruction of an official proceeding. Hmm. Now, Ray Epps was placed on the FBI's most wanted list and then subsequently taken off shortly thereafter. Then the Mockingbird media went to bat for Ray Epps. Then the government didn't charge him. They didn't investigate him. Nothing. And then finally, after enough public outrage, they slap him with a single misdemeanor. Why didn't they go after him the way they went after Straka? Why didn't they get him on the on the notion of seditious conspiracy, considering he's one of the only ones talking about going into the Capitol other than Nick Fuentes? Why hasn't Nick Fuentes been charged? You know, for even just inciting a riot. You know what I'm saying? Like, if the government wants to go after these people, then they will. So the fact that they don't is very suspect. And Jaden X, why why isn't he being more heavily prosecuted? Why did he get paid? He got paid to be there. CNN gave yeah. him grand, forty grand. Well, and I heard that they took that movie. I mean, they took that money from him. At least that's what I've heard that the government procured it because it was obtained illegally. I don't know. I don't know. But the point I'm making is that. There are so many questions and no answers. When we look at the January 6th committee, the way they altered evidence, when we look at the fact that the J6 tapes still haven't been released, when we look at the way that it has been so politicized, the way that it is has been so controversialized, the way it's divided the country, it's mind-blowing that more answers aren't being given. And the reason why is because transparency and truth are in many cases synonymous with each other, okay? If the government wanted to be transparent about these things, then they would be. It's because transparency would diffuse their narrative. It would show that they're lying considerably and on several different occasions. And the outrage would be unbelievable. And there'd be no going back from it. So that's why these politicians, these Congress members, oh, yeah, we're going to release the J6 tapes. We're going to release it. It's it's a, a dog whistle. Everybody, yeah. And then they get in and, well, we can't we can't release the tapes. We'll release them to the media. Well, no, you, you, you said you were going to release them. But, I mean, you guys, this is the pattern. Promises made, promises broken. And they've gotten away with it because the Mockingbird media doesn't hold them to account. They've gotten away with it because the people don't know what the F to do. Well, that's, that's a, Mark, uh, let me that's share a great screen breakdown here for a second. Speaking of the Mockingbird of that. Media, yeah, go ahead. I want to give uh, our listeners, our viewers, an example of how it works. And I want to get his opinion, Jake's opinion on this video. I, I, maybe he's seen it. I don't know. 
Can't hear it. And on the Senate floor, there's a cop who's armed, and a guy bursts in, the QAnon shaman, dressed like a Viking, and he basically talks to him. You're, I'm watching. Shoot him. Shoot him. Like, if it, you burst into the United States, hey, if he was dressed like bin Laden, would he have a shot him? Like, now, what do you think when you hear stuff like that? The media had total control of the narrative. They could say whatever they want, say things like that. You're stuck in jail, which we'll get how you are indicted, arrested, how they took you in in a minute. But, like, what do you think when you hear stuff like that? You're you're voiceless. You can't say anything. And they get to tell their story about you. Typical. They're cowards. You know, how much you want to bet I could just shred that dude in a debate? You know what I'm saying? Um, Bill Maher hasn't invited me on a show to counter his the narrative pushed on his show. Um, if you see the way that Russell Brand was handled and on Bill Maher, and the, I mean, there's been some things that Maher has said that I've agreed with. You know, I'm not going to lie, but there's most of the stuff that he says that I'm just like, dude, you're just a liberal megaphone, you know, a talking head. Um. I didn't burst into the Senate chamber. I was escorted into the Senate chamber by the police officer that I was conversing with. So clearly this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. And that is the problem on both sides of this issue is that people that weren't there have an opinion like they were. And people that believe the Mockingbird media narrative on either side are largely misinformed because it's not black and white. It's a gray issue. And it's kind of like what's going on in Israel and Palestine with Hamas versus the IDF. If you're not on the ground, then keep your mouth shut because there's all sorts of videos that were circulating, you know, like for example, on Twitter that, the community notes proved, no, this isn't from that day. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing? You're just reacting to the neuro-linguistic programming stimuli, to the trigger words, to the trigger images, and their combination. So people like that dude, why people listen to them still, like, look at it like this. If you catch your spouse sleeping with somebody else time and time and time and time and time again. If you catch your spouse embezzling money or stealing money out of the account and spending it on drugs or something, and then you catch them over and over and over and over again, and then you catch them one, one more time and they're like, well, no, I, I wasn't buying drugs and sleeping with that person. You're crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. Are you the bad person for questioning a proven liar? No. Why would you continue to trust them? Why would you stay in a relationship with them? And the American people, and this goes for humanity in general, largely have amnesia. And they largely have Stockholm syndrome. And they're identifying with their kidnappers. They're identifying with their abusers. They're in an abusive relationship with their tyrannical government. 
And they, the thing is, is that like much people, like much of the people that are abused, they don't know how to get out of the relationship without collateral damage. But the thing is, is that if you stay in an abusive relationship over long periods of time, not only are you going to have PTSD, PTSD and be all messed up, but so will your children. And so you were children's children's children. And it is worth going through the fire to get out of the bad relationship. The question is, is how do we do that in the United States? How do we do that as humanity? Because what's going on in the United States is obviously going on all over the world. And the answer is we have to build a brand new infrastructure that is not centralized, that is decentralized, that creates independence, not dependence that creates surplus and abundance as opposed to uh, scarcity and famine. Um, basically, we have to create a system that makes the old system obsolete. That's the answer. And anybody in Congress or the presidency or anybody that's a governor or a mayor or whatever that isn't saying that, they're not representing the people. They're not your friends. They don't know what the F they're talking about. Okay, so real quick, uh, we just elected a new speaker. I'm sure you did not like the previous speaker, Kevin McCarthy, that promised to release the January 6th statement, didn't, typical. But if you were a speaker, what were some things that you would try to push through besides like term limits? Would you try to get rid of the Federal Reserve? I mean, I'm sure you'd be try, probably killed for trying, but what are some of the things you would implement? Well, I actually did a post about this while the speaker's seat was vacant. I was saying, I'll, I'll run. You know, I'll, I'll throw my I'll throw my my headdress into the ring. You know what I mean? Um, single bill voting. Amendment for term limits. Drug testing for all Congress and staff. Okay. Um, criminalized lobbying. Uh, seven figure fines, expulsion and prosecution for insider trading. Abolish the Federal Reserve. Abolish the IRS. Create a treasury-based, uh, um, uh, precious metal-based currency. Um, go, uh, defund antiquated and obsolete federal agencies. Review all laws passed since, you know, 1871 or something, you know, and and get rid of antiquated laws because, dude, the laws that they have for the public, I mean, I think it was Clarence Thomas that said that the average American citizen breaks a, a six federal laws a day. That's way too many laws on the books, man. You know, and, and it's the same thing. And if you factor in federal law with state law, dude, you could literally fill like almost like a football field with stacks of paper this high. For all the laws that are out there, for us, we, you know, you know what the laws we have for the government? It's a couple of sheets of paper. Mm -hmm. They call mm -hmm. the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, <laughs> mm -hmm. and and they're breaking those laws all the time. And they and the thing is that they figured a way around that. And the way they figured around it is that in the state of a national emergency, the Constitution is suspended. So what they do is they just create national emergency after national emergency after national emergency, suspend the Constitution, roll out the centralization of power. Wow. You you know your history, too. Very, very impressed with your history knowledge. Very <laughs> impressed. Well, dude, the, the only way that you're able to 
the only way you're able to get out of the mess you're in is if you, f- you figure out how you got into it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, we we can't we can't build a future if we don't understand our past, because then we're going to make all those same mistakes. And this is why controlling of the education system is so paramount to the less than one percenters globalist new world order. It's Orwell. It's it's Orwellian. It's it's 1984. Those who control the history control the those who control history control the moment and control the future. That's why it's very important, and not just with January sixth, but with going back to COVID, everything you could think of. It's important that we grab what's the word the bullhorn, the microphone, and just never let it go because they've had it for so long and and they've controlled minds for so long. We're just starting to get a few inches here. We got to just. You can't stop. Well, now. but the thing is, but the thing is, Joe, is that the bullhorn does you no good if you're not saying the right things or if you're not speaking truth. So that is really that is just as important as having the the mic. Is you have to be able to if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it fully. You know that's Einstein. Mm-hmm. Um, if if and when our technology surpasses our humanity, we will have a generation of idiots. That's also Einstein. And we're kind of in that situation now with TikTok brain and with what I like to call anti-social media, because that's what it is. It's not social at all. It makes people anti-social. So the right message is paramount. That's why, like, when I talk about the deep state, why I've gotten it down to a science, so that people will fucking understand what it is as opposed to it being a boogeyman (laughs) you know what i'm saying Uh, we're gonna save you from the deep state we're gonna save you from the deep state we're gonna take down the deep state okay well tell me what the deep state is Uh, you know even vivek ravaswamy can't do it i've listened to his explanations for the deep state and he dances around it he doesn't explain it as simply as or as well as i do um and he's very well spoken Oh, oh, dude, yeah, he's very well spoken. But you know what? So what is you, Barack Obama. What are your thoughts on Vivek, real quick, if you don't mind? Do you think he's a WAF? Uh, I know he was on that board, and I've seen him there. I don't know if what he's saying is just things he's saying, or if he has any meaning behind it. But he says a lot of the right things. Okay. Judge a tree by its fruits, right? Mm-hmm. What has he done? What has he done? He's a head or CEO of a biopharmaceutical yes. company? Yes. Hmm, yes. Are those guys the good guys? Not really, no. Huh. Um. What else? Oh, he was pro-masks during 2020. Um. He also, now granted it wasn't from George Soros himself, but he was also, he got a scholarship from a Soros uh, foundation. Um. Oh, yeah. He also um, basically has coined a bunch of Obama's terms and phrases in his debates. And I saw terms. that. I saw that. Yes. Um, he's a phony baloney, plastic banana, power hungry, coattail riding wannabe. OK, where did he come from? Why is he being propped up for the people? And. Why was he and DeSantis given center stage of the Fox News debate? Why is he doing things like rapping uh, One Shot by Eminem? Like, what is he doing? And I think that 
anybody that the Mockingbird media is propping up, you don't want them. Trust me. Because anybody that's going to move the ball down the field for America is going to get the Trump treatment. It's going to get the shaman treatment. Exactly. You understand? That's what makes it confusing. Anybody. That's what makes it confusing why I was skeptical about him. He didn't get really any of the hate that, that Trump got. What Trump got is something that I've never seen before from the right, from the left, from, from anyone. People, I mean, Republicans hated him. Look at Adam. And in the end, they look like idiots. But like this Vivek Ramaswamy, like I said, I just I they're just words. It's almost like WWE, WWF, you ever followed. They they prop these people up. They come out of nowhere and they're made into a superstar and and people love them and people follow them. I mean, I'm good. You want a hero? They'll give you one. They'll give you one. Yep. And it's the same thing with RFK. Now, I agree with what he said. I, I agree with what he says about the COVID jabs and what he's saying about Fauci, but he's also a climate change nut and he wants to take away people's assault weapons. That's where it's hard. Um, I can't understand if he's doing that just to try to move so far left to get, I, I mean, to get votes away from Biden. It just, you never know. You don't know. Well, he did. He was talking about that stuff before he was running for president. Okay. Hmm. My thinking is, is like, if you want to get votes, you don't go from one extreme to the other. Most people are in the center. Okay, and how they divided the country is by giving the extremists on both sides the microphone. And then the people in the center have to choose between one extreme or the other. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So to me, if they can't explain, whether it be Vivek or DeSantis or RFK Jr., Biden, Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, I mean, the list goes on and on. If they can't explain what the deep state is, if they can't articulate what the problems in our country and around the globe are as well as I can, then that contrasts their legitimacy. This is the bar. The bar has been set. See if you can match it. If you can't match it, STFU and GTFO. Well, well, speaking speaking of RFK, Joe, you wanted to bring up um, something – but you were you were denied the anthrax vaccine back when you were a service member in the Navy. And then you were subsequently dismissed from the Navy. What, about a year later or so? No, <clears throat> Joe, you said you wanted to months later. Yeah. You want to ask him something about uh, RFK or something about the vaccines? Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to ask about Tucker, too, while you never were, haven't been on Tucker yet. But RFK was on Tucker and he said something about an anthrax vaccine being created at the CIA bio lab in Fort Detrick. And it was just weird. I, I just read your bio and saw that you had refused the anthrax vaccine and were removed from the Navy because of it. I got to hear that story. Why? What was your reasoning? And let's well, hear it. I, I did research, <laughs> you know, like, you know, <laughs> like, oh, hey, I think it for myself. They don't <laughs> like that in the military, do they? Um I found out that one in 500 males become <clears throat> sterile after taking the anthrax vaccine. There are people that have been crippled due to blood clots in their legs. Mm-hmm. There are people that have literally died after they've taken it. I found out that it was like this much of the anthrax vaccine and like this much immune system booster that they were pumping into your mm-hmm. body. And you had to take like three or four rounds of this stuff. I also found out that lo and behold, 
the anthrax vaccine does not protect you from an airborne uh, uh, attack with anthrax, which that's how, that's how people would be attacked Okay, with anthrax if you're on a Navy ship. So it's really for farmers so that they can be immune to because they work with like animal hides and sheep and wool and stuff like that. And the spores can get on their skin and they can start to spread. So it's just the skin borne illness, right? It's not the airborne weaponization of anthrax that this stuff protects you from. So why would I take it? Why do I need that? Explain to me why I need to take all these risks with no benefits. And it's just like with the COVID jab. It's like, explain to me why I, a healthy young man, need to take your bioweapon into my body when I have all these risks and no benefits. I already have natural immunity, so why do I need your jab? So that was my reasoning behind it. And they answered your question by discharging you, by giving you papers. They gave me a general discharge under honorable conditions, okay. which basically means I don't get my GI bill, but I also don't get a tainted record. Okay. But that's good. I mean, that, this is back in what, 2006, 2007? 2007. So you were, I mean, this is how I think like today. And I think back even like four or five years ago, I did not think like this. It's just like going to get a flu. Not that I ever really got a flu shot, but I would never think what's in this. What's this going to do to me? I just, you, I literally, I hate to say it now, but I trusted the science until three years of watching Trust the Science unfold live on TV taught me different. So, well, one of my favorite quotes from the Joker I'm not a monster, I'm just ahead of the curve. Um, um, no, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say another question I have. Where have you been? Like, what? I, I would have got, had you on the podcast literally the day after you got released from jail. I don't understand why you – where did you show me in Grand Ole? Benny Johnson. We saw you on Benny Johnson. I haven't seen you on Rogan. I don't understand why, why Tucker wouldn't have you on. I mean, is did his episode being released have anything at all to do with you even being released from jail? How did that timeline go? No, it had nothing to do with it. And to be honest with you, why I haven't been invited on Tucker's – show i don't know um i'm flabbergasted i'm honestly a little bit, bit hurt mm -hmm. to be perfectly frank um and you know joe i would you know that's like the holy grails of podcasts um i just want to talk to joe i don't i mean of course i'd love to be on his podcast i just want to meet the man and shake his hand you know we actually have a lot that we agree on and i i really like joe rogan um, but God's timing is better than mine ever could be. And the example of that was the Tucker Carlson footage because I was going to be released. I knew I was going to be released on the 28th of March, 2023 in mid February of 2023. Okay. Wow. I was waiting. So three weeks before the footage aired, I knew I was getting out. And so Tucker Carlson's footage had nothing to do with it. And this is the thing about people like Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene, okay? These people are supposed to understand the law. And these people were out there saying that Tucker Carlson's footage got me released from prison. And they should know that if that footage had anything to do with my release, there would have been something called a court hearing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? There was no court hearing. I was just released. 
So the optics of it, it's talking points. It's political theater. It's all bullshit. These people are playing people for fools. And we're allowing it to happen. And the reason we're allowing it to happen is because we have been divided into compartmentalized and propagandized groups of warring tribes. It's the Arizona Cardinals versus the, uh, you know, uh, the New York Giants, basically. It's our team versus theirs. Blue versus red. Liberal versus conservative. Republican versus Democrat. We got to rah, 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 rah. And, they... and it's just like, dude, SPFU, GTFO. You're not moving the ball down the field. You're turning it over again and again and again. I don't want to hear it anymore. If you're not, if you're in the Congress and you're not proposing single bill voting laws, criminalizing lobbying, abolishing the Fed, uh, amendment for term limits for Congress members, if you're not seven figure fines, um, uh, expulsion and prosecution for insider trading, if you're not trying to abolish the IRS, if you're not trying to fund the, the situation at the border, if you're not defunding the situation in Ukraine, there's the door. You're not for the American people. And I'm going to tell you right now, anybody that isn't saying these things is not your friend. They don't represent you. They represent the NGOs. They represent the lobbyists. You know why? Because they don't need your money to get elected. They don't work for you. They work for them. Did you guys know that in order to be on a committee in the House, you have to like spend like a couple of grand, like five or ten grand just to apply to be on a committee? No, I did not know that. It should, it should be I had no idea. Yeah. So, where do you think that these people, these Congress members, are going to go back to their constituents at home that they're totally like, you know, screwing and be like, hey, I need some money to be on a committee? No. What they're going to do is they're going to go to the lobbyists Across because the, the lobbyists are the ones. The lobbyists are the ones that are benefiting from these committees and the decisions that they make. So the lobbyists will be more than happy to pay the 10 grand or whatever so that this person can be on the committee. And then because the lobbyist paid for it, then guess what? The committee is going to contract with this corporation from this that this lobbyist represents and give our money to them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we don't they don't garner millions of dollars from from us. They get it from the lobbyists. They get it from the corporations, the NGOs. And then that's how they spend our tax dollars. They're told how to spend our money by people that are paying them. It's it's a vicious circle. And I don't think the last 20, 30 years, I just don't think most of the American populace has been paying attention because there's been too many just distractions. People are more about keeping up with the Kardashians than anything else. In our, in I our told government. you it's about also about controlling entertainment. Yeah. Right. And now look at, for example, with the Kardashians, okay? They were beautiful women without the plastic, all right? But now they have all sorts of plants, implants, uh, you know, Botox, you know, facial reconstructive surgery, nose jobs, all sorts of crazy stuff. Now, what else have they done as far as setting an example for young girls? Drama, drama, drama. Buy Louis Vuitton buy you know gucci blah 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 blah. right so in many ways they're not just advertisers for doctors and plastic surgeons but they're also advertisers for some of the highest level in fashion 
okay? And the things that they're actually contributing to society are nil. They're, they're contributing, be a drama queen, basically. Get, your beauty isn't, isn't good enough. You need to go get lip injections. You need to get breast implants. You need to have an ass that is this big. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, look, look ladies, you were beautiful before all of that. And I promise you that as you age, you're going to look weirder and weirder and weirder because you're going to need more and more and more of the surgeries. Now, I give props to their plastic surgeons. They did phenomenal jobs. If you didn't know they had plastic surgery, then you wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. You didn't know they were getting Botox injections and stuff like that in their lips and stuff. You wouldn't know. But, I mean... The example that's being set, the beauty standards, they're as unrealistic as the cover of Sports Illustrated where they're Photoshopping these women to be thinner and stuff like that. It's an illusion. It's not about embracing what God gave you. It's about trusting a doctor to give you something that you want and it will never be enough. And then it's like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the last like two or three years, something changed where I go to Target and it's like they want you to be unhealthy at the same time, too, like big and bold and beautiful section. And you have like these women that are like pushing 300 pounds. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Like it's it's your body. I understand. No, if I may, if I may, go there ahead. is something wrong with that. OK, it's go ahead. Yes. Unhealthy. It's called being unhealthy. And in all honesty, like I think people like Lizzo have really become a perfect example of how it is that they're propping people up there and they're calling their obesity body positivity and then as soon as she started to realize that her obesity was probably going to end up shortening her lifespan considerably and she started trying to lose weight her own fans shamed her for trying to be healthier and you know when you think of it that way what does that mean that means that she was an inspiration for a bunch of fat people to be okay with being unhealthy. And then when she started to change and move in a positive direction, well, lo and behold, that means that she's holding herself to a higher standard that her audience didn't want to hold themselves to. So instead of looking at themselves in the mirror, they started to criticize her for trying to be healthier. Now, there's other things that Lizzo has done. And, and no offense to her, I don't think she's a very good singer. So how is it how is it that these people are becoming famous when they're because they're parading them around as false idols? Okay, some of these people in Hollywood or in the entertainment industry, they can't sing, they can't act, they can't do anything. It's what like this big man, do, they're propping them up. They're propping them up. Yeah, exactly. What they can do is say the lines on the cue cards. And that's the same thing for the people in Congress, bro. They can't even do that, though. Know. The president can't even do that. It's bad. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. They're figureheads. They're actors. Because I don't know if you guys are aware, but the, the people in Congress that are sponsoring these bills, they don't write them. They don't write the oh, laws, you guys. No. Their staffers do. So that's why it makes sense why there was that chick lip, lip syncing everything that that congresswoman was saying. Did you guys see that video? Where that there was that woman like oh yeah 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 it's because she wrote that speech 
<laughs> not the congressperson. So I know. they don't represent you. They represent their staff. They represent their lobbying uh, groups. Well, you could tell just by hearing some of the people talk that they're not intelligent enough to write their own bills. I mean, John Fetterman, we we don't even know if he's a real human anymore or if he's a clone of a human or what the hell he is because the, the, he's from right around where we live. That, that, that's our senator where we live. And the dude sorry couldn't complete a sentence. What's that? I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, yeah. But what are you going to do? I mean, it, he's being brain dead, maybe it's better than having someone with an actual brain that could push through something. So... But yeah, when when the East Palestine it, it shows it shows, bro, that they don't care about competency. They care about just an extra hand to put up and say I or nay. He can't even do that because he can't get dressed to go in the Senate chamber. I mean, he can't put the suit on. They had to change the the dress code. I mean, you showed up better dressed than he does. <laughs> yeah, best dressed, man. For oh, sure. yeah, for sure. <laughs> um. But dude, I mean, this this is your chance to tell your story. I, I'm glad like you're you're out of jail. I want to ask you how jail was, but I'm glad you're out of jail to finally get at least your chance to tell your side of the story because so many others have had the chance to repeat a false narrative. And it's good to hear from the actual source. What was it? How did you get arrested? And what was jail like? If you don't mind going into it real quick, I know we're probably running short on time. Well, in all honesty, and this is just you know, this is just my opinion. J6 in my plight is low hanging fruit and I don't mind talking about it, but what matters more to me is talking about the problems and how to fix them, talking about the real solutions. Uh, and nobody seems to be talking about those things. They just talk about the problems over and over and over again in an echo chamber. They complain and everybody reinforces the narrative like, yeah, this is so wrong. We need to do something. We need to do something. But nobody's talking about what what we need to do. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, when I was, well, I'll just say this. As soon as I got out of the building on January 6th, I had already gone viral. So my life was turned upside down from that moment on. Um there are people saying I was BLM and Antifa, people saying I was a CIA plant and a Fed. You know, what they didn't know was that the picture that was taken of me at the BLM rally in here in Phoenix, they cropped out the sign that said Q sent me. And the fact that and they didn't explain the fact that I was marching with the police as a counter protester, mm -hmm. you know. So once again, how fast disinformation spreads, just like, oh, Tucker Carlson's footage got him out of prison. Um, so. On the 7th of January, my phone number had gone public and I started getting all sorts of weird phone calls, random numbers, random text messages. The media was blowing my phone up. And then my my uh, family told me that the FBI was looking for me. So I called the FBI on January 7th. I uh, arranged to meet with them on January 9th when I returned to Phoenix. Uh, the guy said that they weren't going to arrest me. I asked him straight up, you know, are you going to arrest me? Just be honest. They'll still, sh still show up. I just want to know if you're going to arrest me or not. And he lied to me, okay? He said no. And, I, and because it was just misdemeanors at the time, and I believed that FBI didn't waste their time on misdemeanors, I was like, okay, well, if they're, you know, if it's just misdemeanors, they're not going to arrest me. I didn't do anything wrong. I tried to help. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, didn't, like, I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't vandalize any property. I didn't steal anything. Now, just this you know is probably I mean? a dumb question. Before, before like, you met with him, did you watch – CNN or Fox News or any news coverage at all to know what was actually being shown. See, you you would if you would have saw what they were showing, 
hat tip people to them. They made it. They made it look as bad as possible. Yeah, people sent me screenshots, you know, of my picture all over the news. But you know, I don't really watch Mockingbird Media. It's a bunch of crap. So I turned myself in on January 9th, not realizing I was turning myself in. I just went in to talk and um, spoke to him for about an hour. I mean, so the moment I got into the building, they searched me, walked, walked through the metal detectors. I got in the investigator room or the interrogation room, and then they read me my Miranda rights. And I was like, son of a bitch. Um, and they're like, so do you want to talk to us? I was like, well, I'll tell you my side of the story. You know, I didn't do anything like bad. You know, I didn't like hurt people. I didn't steal anything. I didn't vandalize any property. So I don't understand what the problem is here. Anyway, then they took me over to Florence, Arizona. I was there for, I think, like a little under two weeks. Then they shipped me over to D.C. jail. That was terrible. There I fasted for 11 days. Um, eventually after, I think it was the ninth day, there was an emergency court hearing. The judge granted me an organic court ordered diet. They moved me from the DC gulag over to Alexandria, Virginia, um, because they could accommodate my diet. And it was there in Alexandria that I spent the majority of my 10 and a half months in solitary confinement. Uh, solitary confinement's hell. It's terrible to the, to the cognitive system. It is on the same level as being sleep deprived and starved. So it is a form of soft torture. They said it was because of COVID. And then they said it was for my safety. But the thing is, is that when they transferred me uh, to Oklahoma and to uh, Colorado for my psychological evaluation, COVID and my safety went out the window because they put me in general population. Hmm. Interesting. So it wasn't really about COVID. It wasn't really about safety. It was more so I think about making an example out of the face of the event. Horned man bad. Uh, yeah. Horned man bad. Horned man crazy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, now, after my sentencing, you know, my and well, my current lawyer, Bill Shipley, said that the plea deal that my previous lawyer, Al Watkins, had me take was just absolutely atrocious and awful. Something that Bill said he would never would have had me sign. So I, I, but, well, I, I follow someone on Twitter named Shipwreck Crew or something. I, I don't know if they. Yes, ever... that's that's Bill Shipley. That's my attorney. OK, did did they give you like any discovery at all? Any videos like you couldn't get. Well, access... Yes, but yes, they did. But the thing is, they didn't give us the video footage that was on Tucker Carlson's show hmm. now the thing is about that is they did give us cctv footage from inside the building so the idea that they didn't give us that hmm interesting hmm. very interesting and my thinking is if for example the j6 committee right they chose to make me the face the media made me the face are you telling me that they didn't comb through every bit of footage trying to find me doing something damning that they could use. Uh, are you trying to tell me that after I told the FBI that the cops were escorting me around the building because I offered to help them, that the FBI didn't comb through all that footage to see if I did something damning? Are you trying to tell me that you guys didn't know about that little couple, maybe two minutes worth of footage? I find that very hard to believe. And 
when we look at the legal system and the way that it's it's supposed to operate, what the government is supposed to do is do an investigation, collect evidence, make an arrest, and file charges. Then once the charges are filed, they're supposed to give all of the evidence that they have, good and bad, to the defense, right? Mm -hmm. what, has what has happened with me and many other J6ers is that the government made arrests, they filed charges, then they did their investigation, okay? Now, the government said as a rebuttal to the motion to vacate my sentence and my conviction after the Tucker Carlson footage came out, the government said that they made the footage available to my lawyer sometime, I think, in October or November or maybe September, somewhere in there. Anyway, but when they say they made it available, what they're talking about is the fact that they sent all defense attorneys for J6ers a link to a website where they could access the 44,000 hours worth of footage, okay? So what they did is they collected all this evidence against the client, against the defense. Then they gave the defense attorneys all of that damning evidence, but they didn't give them any exculpatory evidence. They gave them the opportunity to look for exculpatory evidence by finding their client, the needle in the haystack, and going over the 44,000 hours of footage to see if their client was in it and see if they did anything that was positive. You see, Which you see the problem here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even the biggest <laughs> yeah. law even Perkins Coie, if you know law firms, could didn't have the, the, the staff to go through all this. And, and they fix things for a living. So look at it. Look at it uh. however you want. It's evidence of government corruption, in my opinion. And if, if they really it, – it's kind of like with the JFK files. If the Warren Commission's conclusions were accurate, if the Warren Commission's – story is the truth then why are you still classifying the jfk files if the january 6th committee's story is true if the government's narrative is the reality then why haven't you released the footage where's the missing page it would only reinforce button. your narrative right it would only reinforce their narrative if what they're saying is true the same thing with the jfk files is with the january 6th tapes okay is that it they say it would be damaging to national security to release the JFK footage or that it would be damaging to federal agents or agencies in the United States if they release the JFK, I mean, uh, the uh, January 6th footage. Well, if your story is true, then then there's no reason to suppress it. Transparency is the ultimate uh, test for truth. It, you know, and the government is probably the least transparent and the most opaque and convoluted institution in the country. And just so you know, it's also the biggest employer in the country, bigger than any corporation. Yeah, by far. Yeah. Um, but I know we're, we're running, uh, we're running a little long here for you, but I just wanted to ask you this as we wrap up. I think we can all agree. We've rehashed this over and over again. The 2020 election just doesn't pass the smell test. Something was off with that. Um, the 81 million votes, Trump got 74 million. Right. Stopping this count in swing states all at the same time. Yeah. Now, Jack Posobiec says we're in the fourth turning right now. How do you see the next 
probably year playing out from now until the 2024 election. What do you see happening in this country or maybe across the world? And then how do you think the election will play out next year? And how do how do we prevent something like 2020 happening again in 2024? I'd like to get your perspective on all that. Desperation on both sides. Um, and the only thing that's going to prevail is a cool head, a calm demeanor. I think that both sides realize what's at stake regarding the future of their children or the future of the planet. Um, and because of that, I mean, you guys, we have to remember these less than one percenters, we're literally dealing with people that would rather destroy the world than lose control of it. Exactly. Um, so <clears throat> this is why I think so many people have a lot of hopium for the idea that the military is on our side and pulling off some sort of top secret operation, some sort of, uh, you know, Q level operation. Um, in all honesty, I don't know. And I, and I'm comfortable with that. You know, Terrence McKenna once said, you know, remain calm. Nothing is under control. <laughs> because I mean, if it's not under your control, then you know whose control is it under? Certainly not mine, and we definitely don't want it to be under the globalist control. So I'd rather just be like God's in control, God wins. You know, God's timing is better than anything that I can ever imagine. Whenever I have faith and I just walk on the faith walk, things turn out better than I could possibly have asked for. So I think that this is the apocalypse. But that's not a bad thing. Apocalypse just means like a revealing of the unseen or like a, 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 a lifting of the veil during a time of mass deception. So it's not that the world is getting worse. The world has been this bad for a while. I mean, they capped a sitting president in broad daylight on live television and brushed it under the rug. OK, so the world has been this bad. Now what's happening is it's becoming more obvious. That's all that's happening is that the truth of global and national corruption is so undeniable at this point that you can't run from it. It's staring you right in the face and it's forcing you to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what role do you want to play in history? I really don't know. They're, they're really coming after Trump in as many ways as they can. It seems like it's moves and counter moves. When they do this, he does that. When he does that, they do this. Um, if something happens with Biden or Hunter Biden, lo and behold, aliens! <laughs> Trump's getting indicted. You've been saying Look over that. there. You know what I'm saying? So um, anytime something like that comes out, look for what they're trying to distract you from. <clears throat> right? Uh, Netanyahu was going to have literally hundreds of thousands of people in the streets claiming that they want uh, screaming for his retirement or his expulsion. And then lo and behold, Hamas is just allowed to walk through the most secure border in the world and kill people for six to eight hours without a single idea of helicopter making its way over there to whoop some ass. Give me a break. Give me a break. And now they're leveling Gaza. I wouldn't be surprised if they're doing to Gaza what they were trying to do to what they're trying to do in Maui, and that is turn them into smart cities. Hmm. Same thing within Ukraine. Okay, that uh, I really uh, and I think that 
I mean, and then you look at the World Economic Forum and the way that they're moving away from the climate change, climate crisis narrative and moving toward a control of the water supply, right? Um, it's about monopolizing resources and labor. And they're going to continue to try to do that as long as we let them. The real strategy here is non-compliance. The real strategy here is non-violent non-cooperation. The system only works if we work with it. And to quote Gandhi, if you participate or cooperate with an evil system, you contribute to its evil. So we have to just be like, nope, not doing it. Sorry. No, we're right. not going to live in 15-minute cities. No, we're not going to eat bugs. No, we're not going to wear your stupid uniforms. Yes, I'm going to own my own home. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. Um, I also noticed that as these less than one percenters continue to put the boot heavier and heavier on the public's neck, their face emerges more and more into the light. So then we can finally see who's behind the boot on our necks. Uh, as they try to back us into a corner, they simultaneously back themselves into a corner by revealing who they are and what their agenda is. And there's a lot more of us than there are of them. That's why they did the mass vaccination campaign, which is actually more like a mass bioweapon campaign. Okay. Because they're afraid. What they're doing is not indicative of strength or confidence. It's indicative of fear. It's indicative of uh, insecurities. They know, dude. They know that we know. They can feel it in the ether. That's why they continue to push their agenda so hard right now because they know that this is their last shot. And I think Trump really threw a monkey wrench into their little little monopoly board here. And that's why I'm afraid that, that they're going to do go all out to prevent him from becoming president again. That's why I'm afraid that they might try to physically harm him in some way or, you know, literally steal an election. Maybe even worse well, they did uh, here, in no, 2020. I want you to and let's let's end on a positive note here. An awakened High-frequency individual that is not in fear but is in a state of peace, authenticity, love, tranquility, and harmony ends up counterbalancing the low frequency of millions of people at a time. Okay? So what we need to recognize is this notion of the power of manifestation. The reason why Klaus Schwab is putting out there that in the future, everybody's going to live in 15 minute cities, be constantly surveilled, wear uniforms, own nothing and be happy and eat bugs is because he's trying to place in your mind, in your mind, in my mind, in everybody's mind, his vision of the future so that he can use our ability in the law of attraction, our ability to create reality, our ability to, to manifest things, to manifest the future that he wants, not the future that we want. Okay. So, He's going after low-hanging fruit. He's going after the low-frequency minds and trying to use them to manifest a reality that will serve him and the less than one percenters. And all that we have to do is just continue to raise our vibe, dude, because then that we contribute that to the collective mind of humanity. We contribute that to the grid. And in the process, 
we manifest the reality that we want. That's why whenever I usually do these interviews, I talk about Tesla Tower technology, infinite free clean wireless energy, Dr. Rife and his machine, the use of frequency to uh, improve human health and to destroy disease. That's also why I talk about the three patents that Donald Trump released uh, and declassified in 2020. That is a zero point energy engine, infinite free clean energy extracted from the quantum foam of space time, a room temperature superconductor that allows the zero point energy engine to function without overheating and a TR-3B. It's a triangular-shaped inertia propulsion or anti-gravity craft, okay? It, it uses the zero-point energy engine to function, all right? It basically skips across space and time the way a, wa uh, a rock will skip across water uh, when you throw it the right way, okay? So we're talking about the future here, and we need to see a future where infinite free clean wireless energy is there using Tesla towers, where a decentralized energy grid has been erected and created and maintained, where uh, we can use them to communicate all around the planet without need for satellites and cell phone towers and radio towers and Wi-Fi and all that crap. We, can, we need to see a future where food is abundant because you can use these towers to influence agriculture, not just to keep away pests, but also to cause plants to grow so much faster and without the need for any genetic modification. So we can end world hunger. We can make war obsolete by making energy supply uh, in infinite. Um, we can uh, use these frequencies in combination with bioremediating fungi and plants to, to get rid of all of the toxic chemicals that are being created by these 150 corporations, these international corporations. These, these anthropogenic toxic chemicals bioaccumulate in the ecosystem. They kill all the microbiological life in the soil, the water, and the air. They kill the microbiological life in our body. That's creating disease. So if we can figure out a way to use bioremediating fungi and Tesla towers to get rid of all those chemicals, because guys, if we, if we don't have the microbiological life in the water and the soil, then we die because nothing can grow. Nothing will live. Okay. So if we can get rid of all that stuff, we should, if we can travel around the planet, if we can go from LA to DC in the snap of a finger, with a TR3B and a zero-point energy engine, let's do that. It'll lower the price of goods and services all over the planet. It'll also be a safer, more efficient, and faster form of transportation. We could use the ley lines that the Tesla towers are built on to be like electromagnetic highways. We don't need to build roads that are filled with atrazine and making the frogs gay, okay? <laughs> like, like, I'm just saying, like, there's solutions to these problems here. Okay, and I honestly think that atrazine is a lot of the reason why so many like of these Gen Zers are so confused about their sexuality, okay? Because it's literally altering people's brain and body chemistry from an early age. Case in point, positive note here, see that future. Be a high-frequency person that cancels out the low-frequency people. Stay in the peace, stay in the love, stay in the tranquility. Do not comply. Do not cooperate with an evil system. Otherwise, you're contributing to its evil. What that means? Change your diet. Stop eating GMOs. Stop buying Monsanto subsidiaries. I know that's hard. I know a lot of people like their Diet Coke. Sorry, it's killing you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, stop, stop buying Chef Boyardee, Jolly Green Giant, and stuff like that. They're, it's bad. It's genetically modified and pesticide-ridden food. You're literally funding and, and contributing to your own destruction uh you vote with your money every day they have pulled us into believing that we only vote every two to four years that's not true we vote with our money every day we vote with our attention 
every day. That's why they have advertisers because they're, they're buying our attention. So many people watch this television show or that news station or whatever. And then the advertisers come in because they want your attention. Social media, what's on your cell phone? Same thing. Where are you devoting your attention? Are you devoting it to God? Are you devoting it to self-improvement? Are you devoting it to a social media app or a television? Where your attention is your currency. Your, your uh, time is your currency. And your currency is your vote. Very wise words from a very, very wise man. Yeah, well, that was an incredible uh, hour and a half. We appreciate you coming on our podcast, Jake. Uh, Jake, tell, tell our audience how they can follow you. And I just want to I just want to let our audience know that, that Jake didn't charge us anything. He he wanted to come on this podcast like a true patriot. Didn't ask for anything to come on this. So Jake, give us like a, like Mark said your social media credentials, your website, where people can find you, um, any merchandise, anything. Okay, well um, you can follow me at America Shaman on uh, X or Twitter. That's at America Shaman on X or Twitter. Um, at America Shaman on Twitter. And you can also find me at ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com. That is ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com. At ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com, we have all sorts of free courses, free podcasts for you to listen to. You can check out my interviews for free. We're literally talking at this point dozens of hours worth of free content. And um, it is all designed to be empowering for you, for your family to uh, give you knowledge that if you apply in your life, you will have more power spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, then we also have merchandise. Some of it's pretty awesome, man. I'm telling you, some of it's funny. Some of it's cool. You know, I, I absolutely love it. You, you got to just check out the website for the free courses and stuff, of course. But the merchandise alone is worth visiting. Uh, there's also a link to my book, One Mind at a Time, A Deep State of Illusion, that you can find on my website. If you want to book me for an interview, you can go to the bookings portion. If you want to do a consultation, which is a personalized uh, spiritual consultation of sorts to help you ascend as an individual, then you can do that. It is $503. But here's the thing. I would highly recommend that anybody that wants a consultation digest all of the free content first. Because I don't want to have to explain all that stuff to you. <laughs> I don't want to take up your time by explaining all the stuff that you can get for free. I don't believe that people should be charged to hear the truth. So listen to the videos, watch the videos. You know, there's at least a dozen hours worth of content that you should probably digest before you ask for a consultation. But once you've digested all that information, then we can really get into how we can personalize it for you. And that's what the consultations are for. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. Um, I have a give, send, go. It, it's, uh, give, send, slash free Jake. If you want to go there, um, I would, I would personally rather you just buy the merchandise or buy the book because then you get something and, and you kind of get a chance to, to, wear your message on your sleeve if you buy the merchandise you get a chance to to pass the book on to somebody else when you're done with it and what matters to me is not making money it doesn't matter to me to really make a dollar what i want to do is make a difference 
Making money is secondary. If you chase profit, you're going to lose. But if you chase purpose, profit will follow. And I'm chasing purpose. So go to the website, go to my Twitter. And then next Forbidden Truth Academy, ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com. And then if we're ever on again, Jake, if we ever have the pleasure of having you on again, we got to talk more shaman stuff. Maybe I'll even come out to Arizona. We'll lick the frog or something. Well, you don't lick the frog. <laughs> uh, that's not quite how it works. Either like you smoke the venom from the Sonoran Desert Toad and it gives you the DMT, the 5-MeO DMT, which I've done is absolutely mind-blowing. But uh, then there's also the compo. And you definitely don't want to lick that frog. That frog is deadly. What you, What they do is they scrape the venom off of its back with like a wooden knife. And then they mix the venom with their saliva. They burn a little tiny hole, like in the first layer of your skin. And then they take that saliva venom mix and they place it in the hole in your skin. And then your body absorbs a little bit of the venom. Your face will swell up, your eyes swell up, your lips swell up. You start vomiting. Some people have diarrhea, but then after like 10, 15 minutes of that, you come down and you are just like, your sinuses are clear. Your lungs are clear. They, they actually, they used the compo to fight a plague one time in the Amazon. That's where they found out about it was because the tribe was plagued by some sort of pathogen of some sorts. And the shaman was given the information from the angelic spirits to do this process with the, with the, the frog. And uh, it cured him and everybody in the village of the plague. So... That's crazy. Well, Mark, if you're game, Amazing. I'm game. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, when you place your order, let me know. I'm going to buy a, a T-shirt as well. So uh, we just want to thank you, Jake, for coming on today. We really appreciate your time. Hopefully we'll have you back on again in 2024. And uh, it's been real. So thank you very much. Thanks, Jake. God bless. Much love, guys. God bless.